fucking jam this is optimism vaccine and god help us we're talking the live action netflix cowboy bebop joining us this week certified space cowboy jake trapeel is here you know steve it was like watching a, a nightmare i could never wake up from <laughs> also joining us for a european perspective jack eason in insert appropriate cowboy bebop quote here so that was very Whedon-esque of you. Good response. Yep, there we go. All right, we can wrap Save it up. We've perfect. covered the bases. Got it. Boom. All right. And then also because, you know, we love we love the cross-series promotion here. Uh, you might know him as the host and editor extraordinaire of Wulong Club, the Optimism Vaccine-hosted official Cowboy Bebop anime podcast, wherein... A Cowboy Bebop superfan introduces me, a non-weeb, to the world of Cowboy Bebop anime. Colin Tanner is here. Hello, hello. Um, they, they didn't do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad you said that, Colin, because I figured that I would start things off uh, with with a little bit of uh, you know a little reading material here to kind of prime the pump, if you will. So, Colin, you say they didn't do a very good job, but what if I told you the Janice Rose from Vice dot com oh, no. says Netflix's Cowboy Bebop <laughs> isn't supposed to be good? What do you think of that? I mean, nailed us. Why not? Like, uh, like honestly, <laughs> why not? Here's the thing I've noticed about Vice, and I hate to say it because there's some good articles on Vice, and I do appreciate them. They ask a lot of questions and fill a lot of pages with things they could just Google, and <laughs> like, like we'll we'll get into the whole Josh Whedon esque dialogue. Where it's like, where on earth did this come from? It's like, well, you could just Google a screenwriter and see where he's from. You can see where he came from, well, you know, but whatever. Vice, they got to get clicks. They got to get paid. I get it, you know. Let, let me tell you, because there's there's the, you know, the, the thought that, oh, Cowboy Bebop is, is bad. That's the small dinosaur brain, okay? <laughs> and then your brain gets a little bit bigger and you go, actually, it's good. And then when you truly transcend, when you're Vince McMahon falling out of the chair, that's when you get to <laughs> Cowboy Bebop isn't supposed to be good. And so Janice Rose writes for us, there was a time in my life when Netflix's live action Cowboy Bebop would have offended and enraged me to no end. But if there's one thing the original 1998 anime series taught me, it's that sometimes you just got to go with the flow. See, she's transcended. This thought popped in my head over and over while I watched Netflix's rendition of the classic series, which recently premiered on the streaming platform and is easily one of the most divisive adaptations in recent memory. Again, you have a short memory because I think this, I, I don't even give a fuck about anime. And I know this happened with, uh, what, what's, what's the other one with the death note, the death mm -hmm. note, the death note. This is the same thing. Yeah. This is Death it's, Note 2.0. And it's, it's not divisive because everyone hates this show. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. No one, no one's saying, 
Like literally the kindest words that are that made it an article about this is that it's supposed to be bad. That's <laughs> that's the fucking like sky like blue sky through on this thing. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's not it's not divisive at all. And also, Cowboy Bebop is not about going with the flow. But anyway, <laughs> oh, yeah, Jesus. we're missing a few key points here. A lot a lot of things are zipping over Janice's head, but that's all right. Janice says it's easy to see why. The anime series has achieved sacred status among countless fans, and I've been one of them ever since the jazzy intro credits first flashed across my screen years ago. Through 26 episodes, the series sways across a variety of genres and moods like a dusty old record collection, oscillating from slapstick sci-fi to spaghetti western to melancholy crime noir. And here we go. You ready? Uh But the true magic of the original series is how it becomes far greater than the sum of its collective homages, deep and memorable characters. Sure. Masterful pacing and tone. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And an unforgettable jazz soundtrack by Yoko Kano. All true. All contribute to why this series still has so many diehard fans today. The show is just indescribably cool, and its influence can be felt across countless films and TV shows that have come since. Mm. All right, so now we're skipping down a little bit, guys. We're gonna we're gonna get into the box. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Go ahead, Kyle. No, I just, you, I, you whenever, just want to ride this no, wave. No, just whenever people say like, "Oh, you know, it's it's changed the way that television works." It's like, "Oh yeah, who could th- forget all these Western shows that have these great soundtracks?" Like right off the bat, it's like, "No." Oh, who could forget these Western shows that are only supposed to be twenty six episodes long? No, like none of this. No. (laughs) Janice continues, from watching these analyses, one gets the sense that the showrunners either don't understand what made the original series special or are purposely trying, uh, not trying to capture it. Yeah, I, I would I would say so. I well, I would say that the former is correct. I don't think they understand why the original series is special. Anyways, Janice continues, but decades after the original series left its mark, I simply couldn't get mad at all these transgressions. I had a much better time watching the new Cowboy Bebop as a goofy, high-budget cosplay skit than wishing for it to be some high-minded and faithful adaptation. Instead of a slick and melancholy sci-fi tale, the new series is a wacky fanfiction.net fever dream come to life. I'm still not seeing why this is positive, but okay. At times, this dynamic is so ridiculous, it just works. <laughs> John Cho and Mustafa Shakir have plenty of on-screen chemistry as Spike Spiegel and Jet Black. I don't know about that. Mm. And their banter often manages to capture the original characters while punching through the tedious script. Disagree. You could actively see their fists bouncing <laughs> off the tedious script. The 10 episodes frequently veer into, quote, so bad it's good territory, and I often found myself laughing through all the cringe and curious to see where the show would take my beloved Space Cowboys next. Fuck off. It's not high art, and I wouldn't even necessarily call it, quote, good. But in its best moments, Netflix's Cowboy Bebop is truly an unhinged remix that puts classic characters through a nostalgic funhouse mirror you can't look away from. That's definitely not what Cowboy Bebop was in 1998, 
but maybe it's what it needs to be right now. Jake, you ready for this to all tie together? You ready for this? How hard's your dick right now, brother? Oh, man. Fucking kill me. Let's do it. In 2021, the world is on fire. Climate change and failing institutions are upending our lives. And we are still living through the collective trauma of an ongoing global pandemic that has killed millions of people. After the nightmare of these past few years, I would have welcomed the chance to experience a well-executed adaptation of the classic anime series. But I also welcome the opportunity to turn off my brain and just vibe with familiar characters in a flawed and ridiculous setting. I love Cowboy Bebop, but I'm also very tired, and I no longer have the emotional capacity to get mad about my favorite anime on the internet. And maybe that's the lesson of Bebop's controversial rehash. Thoughts, Jack? This is a, an exceptional way of a critic saying that they have no useful reaction to a text this is essentially yeah. like it happened in front of me and i need to write an article for money and mm -hmm. here's what i came up with the concept that the world is bad so art should also be bad <laughs> is not a good or helpful concept it it furthers the world being bad that's a terrible idea you know that's like someone watching a revenge it's like someone watching those revenge movies that it's like revenge is bad and you're coming away from going revenge seems like probably as constructive as anything else. It's exactly the wrong <laughs> lesson about everything. So well done yeah. to Vice for publishing it. It's great. Yeah. This is the most I've ever read about a complete non-opinion. Uh, and it's pretty impressive. Also, I would be willing to bet if I were the type of person who did a little digging this strikes me as a person who at some point in their life said, boy, sure does suck that Trump was elected, but the music and art's going to be real cool. <laughs> so I, I just, I, I cannot fucking abide by this. And then the idea that you can just kind of like brush it off as this like so bad it's good garbage without contextualizing any of that. It's just... It's complete fucking piss. This is just a stream of piss. Here's the thing, and a lot of people, for some reason in popular culture, a lot of people who kind of don't, you know, not really media savvy, people who don't really think a lot about the media they consume, seem to all get trapped up in this thing, which is things that are so bad they're good are good. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's what's actually happening. You were, you were appreciating and enjoying it, and that's what it's for, and that's good. Cowboy Bebop, the live action series is, and I think this is a thing we're going to return to over and over again, because um, I know we're all coming down hard on it. And honestly, I think none of us, we, we weren't out to get this. None of us are pissed off about being adapted. None of us think the sh original show is a sacred text that should never be, you know, move, you know, moved into another medium. We were confused. Sure, <laughs> it's always confusing. The concept of what, you know, what are you going to lend to it? What does live action lend to it that the anime can't? We were confused, but we we're like, let's see. But but ultimately, you know, what comes away from from live action Cowboy Bebop is it's a first draft of something. It is not a complete program. It is not fit to broadcast. It is exceptionally poorly constructed on a very fundamental level in both its writing and its uh, visual construction. It's 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 editing. It's camera work. Um, it's not so bad, it's good, it's bad. 
And if you still enjoy bad. it, mm-hmm. um, I mean, okay. But like, I mean, you still enjoy it, but you kind of come back to like, I just laugh because it's like a dumb cosplay thing. It's like, maybe you should not be writing this article. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe you're not qualified. It might be a good time to step away. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing I don't get is, is you know, when you say something is so bad, it's good. I usually think of it in terms of, of you know, the whatever you're watching, listening to, it's, it's transgressive or... It's it's broken in a very particular way where it's bending the rules of cinema, of music, of whatever that you know to be kind of, you know, true, firm. And because it's bending or breaking those rules in a, in a very just overt way, it makes it interesting and different and, and you enjoy it on a different level because it's breaking those rules. If something's bad, it's just fucking bad. And this is this is just that. Cowboy Bebop is goddamn boring. I, you know, the thing I, I, I'd i like to just stress, I'd like to just jump on that point again when you, uh, uh, Jack just said this is not broadcast ready. As I progressively watched the show, I was trying to find like analogies for this because it reminded me a bit of like Star Trek, the original show versus the next generation, how the, the original show had like action heroes and then the next generation kind of the geeks, you know? But as I kept watching the show, I'm like, well, that's kind of if I if I make that analogy, people think the production quality is up to that. They'll think it's as good as Star Trek. So I was like, well, I guess it kind of looks like that Battlestar Galactica show from Sci-Fi Channel, you know, <laughs> like trying to find an appropriate visual I, analogy. I would argue that 2005 Battlestar Galactica looks a lot fucking better than this show. It does. It absolutely this is does. like there. I mean, there's. We need to talk about the the Netflix grinding machine that churns out these products because. A, it's one thing to be a bad Bebop adaptation. Nobody is disputing that. But also, just taken on its own standards as a television series, yep. it's it's fucking dire. Like I had a thread on Twitter about how like just the just basic shot sequence setups are just so like haphazard and sloppy. There's no no thought or art put into it. It's like it says, okay, let's wrangle everybody onto us this set. We'll shoot these scenes as basic and normy as possible. It's all lit flatly <laughs> so that there's no, there's nothing stylish or cool about it. It's just sucked all the art out of what made Bebop so great. And then they they turned it in as a 10-episode uh, product that is really just kind of a, a bummer to sit through. It's it's such a, and this is, you know, Netflix's uh, modus operandi is they just turn, churn out the ugliest looking projects and say hey look how many views this got yeah i mean i don't watch i don't watch a lot of like the netflix original programming because mostly what i have seen of it looks really bad so it was kind of interesting to sit through a full 10 hour spectacle and i mean this is very much has the vibe of like a college essay where you like ramp up the font size and you do the double line spacing and you're fucking around with the like (laughs) uh heading and and footing like margins to like squash it all in it's like netflix said we need 10 hours of this and they're like okay all right we we could do that there it's it's just exhausting to sit through this and when when i say it's not fit for broadcast i mean as jake says absolutely construction wise shot sequence and stuff there's like basic errors like and it's the kind of stuff that it's like it's not it's not breaking rules to do something interesting it's just no one thought about it it's just very much whatever you know kind of was available to them i'm guessing they were shooting around so many like practical effects and so on or cg 
uh, necessities for certain shots. You just end up with these weird breaks of eyeline and, and continuity and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the writing in this is just, and we'll, we'll get into this down as we get into the nitty gritty of like what the show is about. But like the writing is just a first draft. It's like the first thing I would imagine if you're trying to write something. First, you work out what you need to say. Yep. Like, what do the characters need to say to tell a story? And then from there, that's like, that's your first draft. And then from there, you work out how much of that can be communicated visually, because TV and film, it's visual. It's better to communicate visually where you can, rather than have a character say, like, I am sad. You can show them crying. (laughs) It's very simple. And secondly, how much of a character's actions or what they say can be communicated through the character's actions rather than through them speaking. And, you know, this is script writing. It's an art form. Mm -hmm. Some people are paid a lot of money for it and very highly respected for being good at it. This is the first draft. This is literally just a bunch of people in a room telling you exactly what they're thinking at all times and explaining everything. It is abysmal. Like, from a craft perspective, this is like... And it, like this is just like an intern like was was shunted the project down to them and they're just kind of like oh okay here we go is this good and they're like yeah that's fine it's really like uh, f- frankly th- this is upsetting to me sitting through this to realize this is perhaps becoming more the norm for streaming content you know for for like the the Netflix production because Netflix is churning shows out are they all like this. I think they might be. That's <laughs> they really kind of bad. Are. Yeah, that's so horrifying. I, I had this experience recently because, I, and this is this is a show from a couple of years ago, but it still has the Netflix house style. You can really notice the house style if you watch, because Netflix has really been pushing documentaries for the last couple of years. And if you sure. watch a Netflix-produced documentary, it is impossible, impossible to tell who made the goddamn thing. Mm. They're just the Netflix documentary. They're all the same, okay? And from a fiction standpoint, I, I just watched The Haunting of Hill House, which is a like a Mike Flanagan joint. Uh, Mike Flanagan, he has he has a pretty distinct style, okay? He's, he's not the greatest auteur of, of the fucking 21st century, but he, he's someone who knows what the fuck he's doing. And it is genuinely distressing as you watch The Haunting of Hill House, which slowly unravels into nonsense as a show, but just watching like Flanagan kind of poke through and have these little moments, but then immediately get squashed down by the gears of the Netflix machine. Netflix is the laundry machine in the fucking mangler. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> all it is. That's it. <laughs> Didn't expect Nothing that. Else. <laughs> yeah. And then as, as far as, as the writing here goes, it's kind of insane to me because uh, th- there's been tons and tons of interviews around this show, just a lot of press. And during the development, the team watched, you ready for this? Uh, they didn't watch a lot of anime and they didn't watch any live action anime. They watched The Big Sleep, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Bonnie and Clyde, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Dirty Harry, as well as Lethal Weapon and The Crow. So aside from <laughs> taking on three-fourths of my, like, film 101 class, wh- what exactly did they pull away from these texts? Like, what, what was the learning here? You know, I, I do want to jump on one point you guys were talking about earlier about, like, the, the, the visuals and, and how flat everything looks. I think uh, if you're only watching the first few episodes, you're like, well, it can't be that bad. It, um, I think it actually noticeably dips 
in quality towards the end, especially when you start realizing they're reusing locations with very minimal changes. Uh, there's a sequence where Jed is talking to his former partner and it's like underneath a bridge. And <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's like a different time of day. Maybe it was night or day. And they have Spike and someone else have like the exact same blocking. Like they're marked in the exact same spots, except it's a different time of day. And that's just, it's so lazy. Like you, you can go and you can watch these experimental films where someone is just filming, you know, a room, a wall, and they're finding all the different angles they can use to make the wall look interesting. This is not attempting that whatsoever. It, uh, it starts with too many people on screen and they whittle it down to something else. Like that's how... They design the visual look of the show. And we do need to talk about the Dutch angles because they add nothing, but they are everywhere. The camera is constantly tilted um, because uh, maybe it's just me, but it looks like they're trying to cover up how bad their sets look. It's possible. It's, I mean, fundamentally and like kind of getting into the meat of this. I mean, um, you're kind of thinking... One of the the thing that the anime is known for is it jumps genre. It, it each episode is kind of like a, a singular event, a singular kind of like viewpoint. It jumps between spaghetti western, science fiction, film noir, Hong Kong, heroic bloodshed, all of those kind of things. You know, it intermingles them. The the problem with having this show structured the way it is. Um, which is essentially 45 to an hour long episodes um, rather than the 22 minute long episodes of the anime is that um, it can and also having it, it, each episode has like a primary plot and then it has B and C plots to kind of thread along other elements so we we go back to say vicious and julia who are in the in the original anime are very much kind of like fragments of spike's past they're not filled in quite purposefully they're left as very vague characters as people that kind of haunt spike's past Mm. in this they are fleshed out into quote-unquote real characters and the moving these kind of like threads through it means that the show each episode of the show can't commit to a form they're, they're, you know, it's impossible to do like a film noir spoof and then cut back to someone else doing something else just to kind of move that block along. And this is what happens throughout the entire show. The, the structure becomes this kind of mess of kind of uninspired visuals. They, they don't really give, over, give themselves over to anything. Nothing changes. Each episode is pretty much in, as you say, the Netflix house style. Um, very flat lighting, very kind of like uh, color warmth kind of like yellow browns um a lot of you know cg work a lot of very obvious green screen work Mm. which flat lighting helps with because it allows you to blend things much more easily with you if you maintain you know very um what would you say standardized lighting forms and everything so this looks like it looks like nothing it looks like a netflix show and then you know that means the whole genre element of it is completely thrown out the window nothing in this harks playfully back to anything else and what becomes very confusing is that if cowboy bebop is a tv show that kind of is playfully references all kinds of pop culture style words and maybe you get them maybe you don't but you know it all fits together very well the netflix show it basically references just cowboy bebop and it really just references things by name that's all it can do is it's kind of like hey look this person you remember them from the show anyway it doesn't look like them and nothing else here really works the same all right cool that's what we're doing 
it is just such a, you know, you would think when you were adapting something, the first thing you would do is you would get a whiteboard with your team and you'd write out what does the original do really well and then what you would try and work out is what do you want to focus on and then stay away from everything else the original does really well because you don't, you know, there's no point in retreading yeah. and there's no point in going head to head with it. This is seems like something that is just made by people who don't understand what the original did well and also have no intention of really doing anything with the material. It is incredibly conservative in how it patches... Like, essentially, if Cowboy Bebop is something that skips over the obvious plot beats because it knows you know them. It, it's a, a show that understands that genre is about understood forms. You know the basic layout so it doesn't tell you it lets that linger in your imagination and it kind of plays around with the details around the major plot beats uh, the Netflix show literally is just like we'll fill in the plot beats and it's awful that's a, it's yes. a very bad <laughs> yes. idea unless you're doing something better and they don't and that's and that's 10 hours of exposition yeah yep. and they exactly that's I, I I think we should talk a bit about the dialogue and 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 you know, you're talking about the anime versus the live action. And the reason I'm really not going to reference the anime whatsoever is it's just not necessary. Like, there's just too much wrong no. <laughs> with the show. Like you said, it's not TV ready. And I think that's, uh, I, 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 it's not just the acting, but the acting is horrible. I think everyone here does a bad job. It's not just the writing. The writing is horrible. Uh, it, it, it makes the acting much more difficult. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the, the lighting and the visuals look like screen tests. So... Don't even think about the anime, but to talk about the dialogue for a moment or to talk about the, the, the way the story uh, works, they um, the way they introduce characters, I think, is really important, like how you introduce a character like this seems obvious. You know, uh, the way Spike comes in, he's just wearing headphones, which is like something from the movie and and Jet falls from the ceiling and Faye is just there for two seconds pointing a gun at Spike and even going to Earth, even flying to Earth for the very first time happens as an idea and then executed in the span of, I want to say, 30 seconds. So you look at the way, I guess, because why not just use the anime as a comparison, just because it's something that's successful. It's like, I don't want to make it seem like I'm making a comparison and judging this live action show, but look at the way Ayn is introduced in the anime where he's in this suitcase and everybody's just wondering what's in the suitcase. And then finally they open it up and it's a big reveal. In this show, Ayn is revealed after about, I don't know, 13 dogs have a shotgun pointed at it. So the audience is already like projected and attached to these other dogs. And then Ayn just shows up in a field. And that's the introduction for that character. No one is, nothing it's, has impact. Nothing. It's it's 100%, it's 100% seems to be coming from what seems to be endemic in pop culture now, which is the, the reference that's literally... Like, you already know this. Uh -huh. Here it is. It's like, the, the, I recognize this school of, of homage. Yeah, it's, it's the uh, it's the Rick Dalton, once upon a time in Hollywood, point and recognize GIF syndrome. <laughs> right. They, said they throw, throw everything in there, and they expect, oh, look, I know that thing. I've, I've seen that thing before, and there it is again on the screen. Look, they've done it. They've done the thing that I like. <laughs> and you were smart to notice that. <laughs> and the, yeah, the missing point is that like f film fans, right? We're all we're all losers and we're all up ourselves, and we love spotting things that we know about. But the joy of a good homage is not just that we're like, oh, I know what that is. Like I've seen that movie. Because at the end of the day, you've just seen a movie. It doesn't really matter, and you know it's not really a major accomplishment. <laughs> um, what's 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 important is that the homage 
does something and has to have a, a reference, a metatextual relationship with what you were homaging. That's the whole point. That's why you know, that's the whole idea behind it. To simply just bring in the, the you know, Corky on screen and go, you know, that's the dog because yeah. you've seen the show. <laughs> you've Ooh, like, seen this Great dog. work, guys. So so this is, so this, that's, that's great that you mentioned that, Jack, because that's who we know the show is for. The show is not for a new audience. It's not to attract a new audience. It's not to broaden the, the horizons. Netflix is not making this for anyone else. They're making it for people that have previously seen the anime and they're doing it wrong. So who the fuck is this for? Like, ultimately, why would you make this? <laughs> yes, it, yeah. you're right. Because, yeah, if, if you can directly reference the anime, you're going to run out of reasons real quick to return to this. I mean, I, I watched this and, frankly, I, I'm trying to be as generous as I can to this. And, I, like, I'm genuinely good faith effort, you know, as scathing as whatever I say about this. Like, I really didn't go into this to hate it. No. I was curious as to what it would be. And it's just sort of like, there is nothing in this that is better than the anime and it doesn't move away from the anime to do anything new so, so there's it really is just an absolute waste of resources uh-huh it, it it's funny too because like you said Colin, this this is supposedly it, it seems like it's signaling towards fans but it can't do that very well and even the way it handles homages is so clumsy and embarrassing it's it's just like it's like someone holding up a postcard with a picture of the Mona Lisa on it and just pointing at it and going, "Aha, you see that?" And it's just like, "Yeah, I know what that is and it looks like shit. What what do you what reaction are you looking for exactly?" It's culture. It's it's Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's almost like it, it's sort of disconcerting. Like I I don't know how to process what this show is telling me other than it's it's mostly boring, and then occasionally I, I don't understand why it's throwing references in my face in, in such an inept way. Hey, hey Jake, how was that Greenbird scene for you? Good lord. I... <laughs> Greenbird is the, is the song from the anime when Spike is thrown out the window, and, and they recreate that. Yeah, it's the church window yeah. fall. <laughs> it, it, so, so we need to talk about... Okay, so Colin mentioned dialogue earlier. Now, the dialogue in this show is, I would say, only half awful because half of it is taken basically verbatim from various episodes or the movie. But then all the new shit that they come up with is just so completely asinine. Like, uh, there's an extended flashback episode with Spike and Vicious in the syndicate when they were working together as buddies. And uh, Spike, as he was known then, was fearless, which is a recurring dumb thing. But, like, the first scene they have together is them talking about how they groom their pubic hair, which never showed up in the anime. And uh, uh, the worst victim of this is Faye, because she has just so many awful one-liners that come off, like, third-rate Joss Whedon uh, bon mots that, that are just kind of just profanity-laced epithets that she throws at people, but they're really just... It's all just so completely stupid and yeah. proves that they had no good original <laughs> ideas. No, it's totally... It's it's Whedon-speak, and, like, Whedon-speak is... Um, 
endemic, uh, really. And I think, like, in, in a way, like, I, I enjoyed Buffy the Vampire Slayer when it first broadcast. I thought it was a very fun, entertaining show. There is a problem when the format of that dialogue has become the routine method for American TV and cinema for over 20 years now. Mm -hmm. Joss Whedon has a very specific, specific cadence and vocabulary. His dialogue has a kind of a quippiness that kind of does it. He is not a character writer. His, his dialogue does not work through character. He, he basically his, his writing is very much the writer's voices comes from the, the character's mouths unfiltered it's a very peculiar kind of postmodernist format of writing and it has become the standard the industry standard in american cinema and i think frankly has destroyed american cinema uh, in a way the marvel movies the star wars movies all of them seem to be full of these like ass kicking like look at the camera say a quip kind of way the the dialogue doesn't come from the people and the situations they're in it's just sort of like weird throwaway cat like essentially stuff that seems to be written to be iconic to be hopefully quotable and it's a real problem when 80 percent of what the characters say is this kind of material Faye, like jake mentions is like horribly mm. cast in this or, or horribly affected by this um, and from her being such an interesting character in the anime, she's really just turned into this just weird quip machine and this kind of like girl power oh, stereotype. Um, it's, it's fucking awful. Yeah. It's somewhere between like edgy Instagram influencer and like epic bacon guy circa <laughs> 2011. Yo, this is the girl that you see at the cons with the Gur backpack still. That's what this is. This mm. is like yeah. Invader Zim fan number one. But because we're talking about the dialogue, I like I said, Christopher Yost, who wrote the screenplay, uh, I actually do have one of his comics pulled up. He wrote a 13, 14 issue over on DC. He's more known for Marvel work and animation, including Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and X-Men. Um, I hit up uh, King of the Podcast, Adam Myros, and I asked him, uh, what do you think of this guy's work? And he's like, oh, I've seen those shows. They're not very good. <laughs> like, instantly was like, yeah, those are really boring. And I think what's interesting about them is X-Men and TMNT, there's group dynamics. It's always group dynamic, you know? Um, you, characters are very rarely alone. And that's how this screenplay works, which is funny because the original Bebop has characters avoiding people, if anything. They're antisocial. Uh, this has just people layered on. And it, they... Despite having as many people as possible involved in a conversation, at no point is anyone communicating anything. And it's there's there's no subtext. Uh, like, there's this entire sequence where Faye has to convince Spike that she was a bounty hunter. Why? Why is that a scene? And why does it take 30 minutes? Because they have to fill time. And the entire dynamic of the conversation is, uh-uh, uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-huh. That's not, you know, he can't write the moment when someone is convinced. He can write the big explosion where, oh my God, I'm totally, I'm 100% with you. But he can't give you that gradual drip feed of like a, a human's thought process. Well, yeah, no, I was saying like the, the only moment of subtext that I can think of in this entire show is pretty much the opening of the first episode. And it's lifted directly from the anime, which is the clar where, where Jake says something's, or where Jet says something's can't be replaced. And he's talking about his arm which the technology in the world of Bebop 
he he could he has a, a metal arm that he lost in in an accident which they go into detail about it later but you know spike says why don't you just get a new arm like grow a new arm in a lab they can do that now and he's like no some things can't be replaced and there's there's subtext there mm -hmm. there's clearly it's not about the arm this jet is and it tells you things about jet that he's sentimental that he's harboring some kind of a you know a, a, a wound historically the you know there, there's we learn a lot about the character in that exchange that's lifted straight from the anime <laughs> whereas i think something that uh, later on there's almost subtext god they nearly got close uh where faye in this in the, in the live action version is a lesbian and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. You know, you, you want to do that? I got no problems with that. Yeah, lesbians are cool. Yeah, please have a reason for doing it, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I guess, you know what? Don't even have a reason for doing it. But what you don't do is is what they do, which is she's a lesbian now. Fine, cool. They end that episode, and in the very next episode, Faye is introduced leafing through a Playboy magazine. And it's actually <laughs> it's actually funny. It's actually, this is good writing, right? So Faye is a person who can't remember her past. She's a person struggling to remember who she is. So she's clinging and desperate to find the things that make her. And she's learning about herself, like she, you know, like in a way that, you know, a person who has no memory must. And she's learned that she likes girls. And that's, you know, so the next episode, she's leafing through a Playboy. And it's like, that's really great, you know, that she's she's basically learned she likes women and she's just leaning into this now. But then she starts talking about the fact that she's looking at Playboy and it just ruins <laughs> the whole moment. And, and this is what the show does. It like, it stumbles close to things and then it just talks through them. It explains, like, you're an idiot. Like, you would never figure this out. Like, you know, and what's yeah. fundamentally is incredible about this reference culture. It's like the homage is like, you know what this is. Look at that. You recognize that. But it, other than that, like, ne Cowboy Bebop Netflix thinks you're a fucking moron. The whole mm -hmm. thing treats its audience like they are just mouth-breathing simpletons who couldn't string two eyes, who don't remember what happened in the last scene, so they need to be told again. The whole thing, it is agonizing to sit through. It is like having mm -hmm. memory loss yourself. It's like, is somebody <laughs> like, is someone, why are you explaining this to me again? I was just there. You just told me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's awful. And, and we, you know, I've been listening back to some old Wulong clubs, uh, you know, just, you know, why not? Good plug. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's funny because we talk about it pretty frequently when we say, oh, you know, it's interesting. We don't know how this happened. We don't know how this was set up. We don't know why Spike in like episode one, Asteroid Blues, he's wearing the sombrero and he's making that drug deal. <laughs> like, it's like a um, Bugs Bunny cartoon almost. Like, we don't know how he set this up. But because the premise is so entertaining, we'll go with it. And this just doesn't have entertaining premises at all. It's, it, like I said, uh, people in room. It's a really interesting thing. Yeah, no, I, I like it because this, I think, is a really a key point you bring up to me is that we have a lot of references from the original show in this, um, you know, and, and characters come in like Piro Lafou <laughs> arrives, <laughs> but they're all, all these elements, yeah, it's really bad, guys. It's so all these elements are, all these elements are tied into the main storyline they're tied into spike's past like for example piro lefou let's, let's just like to clarify in the original episode he's just a crazy killer like he was a government f experiment gone wrong and he was tried to contain and he escaped and he happened upon spike one night 
and he tried to kill him because that's what he does and Spike managed to survive barely and Spike couldn't let it go. He went back to him, uh, which tells you a lot about Spike's character. But it was basically a, a two ships passing in the night scenario. Mm-hmm. Not in this one. In this one, Vicious specifically hires Piro LeFou, frees him and, and tells him to kill Spike. This is a recurring issue in this series where they overwrite or they they write specifically to tie everything all these different parts of the original anime to tie into spike's specific storyline and it creates a much blander less interesting smaller universe i mean cowboy bebop is jumps across the galaxy they go from planet to planet they travel to warp speed through different gates to go to ganymede and far off lands <laughs> you know is and it's all about you know chance encounters weird things happening like why does spike have an umbrero is he undercover who knows? You know, like strange thing, Parola Fu, he's just a kind of a thing that happened to them. But now it, it all ties in, it's all connected. There's no chance or fate or mystery in the Netflix adaptation. None at all. And you know, that's it, it's it's just a poverty of imagination on the part of the writers to do this. It's less interesting, it's unnecessary. It doesn't provide anything new for audiences. It's a classic example of basically like vanity writing i think of of you know you know you're you're doing it you're like i'm gonna make all the pieces fit together and tie in it's bad Mm -hmm. this is what screen you know this how to write a screenplay books that idiots buy that's what those books teach you like no one who's ever written a good screenplay has ever paid attention to one of those books like it's it's just absolutely like it's a hustle you know, other than formatting, right? That's the only thing you learn from those books. Everything else about like three act structures and stuff. That's basically if you've never thought about storytelling at all uh, and you want to write a screenplay, those books will give you a basic grounding in the very, very broad things that frankly, if you haven't put them together yourself, you're not writing a good <laughs> screenplay. You're you're not cut out for it. You know, and it's just it's the whole show is this. It's awful and it just shouldn't. Like, who is getting paid for this? I mean, I watch this and I realize I could watch, I could write a Netflix show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would, I'm not good at it. It's I couldn't, like, Jack. That's <laughs> the point. It is. It's incredible. I could do this. It's really, really poorly well, done. I could do something badly. You know, to touch on, to touch <laughs> on a point you brought up earlier about genre and about, like, you know, um, Bebop has westerns. It has black exploitation. It has drug trips. It has, uh, you know, noir-ish elements. You know, neo noir. Uh, but like, to do that, you have to know the genre. You have to know like the works itself before you can write it. And because this guy doesn't, I'm like, sorry, I have to just call him out and be like, because you don't get how these scripts work, and because I've read his other stuff. Um, he can only write one tone. There are no multiple tones. And bebop itself uh, is jazz. It's jazz music because, you know, you get a jazz quintet and you like you take any song, you know, when the states go marching in or maybe a song from the Bible or whatever a song from the Bible, uh, you know, a song from, uh, uh, you know, anything. And you can jazz it up and people can like do some weird stuff with it. Like, it, but it's still the same core members of the band, but they're playing a different, you know, style of song. This is just one long tone out of a tuba for like 10 hours just so it's a brown note yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's basically a slide whistle going down deeper and deeper and deeper until it just fizzles out into nothingness and 
And yeah. like I said, I've yeah. read his comic book or read some of his comic book. And like when you're writing comics, like the panel on his will show like a girl being kidnapped and then a cell phone being held up to her face where she has to make a phone call. And then she's on dirty mattress. And you know what the, you know what the words are talking about? The words are talking about the girl getting kidnapped and the phone on her face and the fucking mattress. So it's telling you what you're already... <laughs> I said that actually. Wow, he's consistent then, at least. I guess we'll give him that. Yeah. Like, he's got a You could be talking about anything. Like, we're watching this girl getting kidnapped and, and maybe we're, we're hearing someone, like, ordering nachos. It can be flippant. It doesn't need to be deep and dark or anything. But, like, you at least need to, like, pick your tone that you're going for and go through with it, which is why, and I think we should probably talk about the only good episode in the entire series. And when I say good episode, I mean like, you know, C- <laughs> We're on a curve. C minus t- television <laughs> is one called, um, actually I don't remember what it's called because all the names are terrible and they're embarrassing. Uh, but it's a homage to Brain Scratch where Spike is being put into a VR world and he's being put into a loop. Binary two-step. <laughs> There we I mean, go. Yeah, it's it's cute, but like that's that's shitty title, you know. Like, but um, so he's being put in this repetitive cycle, and it keeps failing, and he has to keep doing it over. And it's funny because the 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 screenwriter is dangerously close to figuring out that like you need a neutral position in your story, and like repetition in television helps and it educates people. Even like in an episode, that's the only reason that episode functions is because people are committed to action constantly doing something even if it's doing the same thing over and over and over again because spike will see julia he'll try to rescue her and then zap it starts all over but he's always kicking down a door he's always running to someone he's doing something he's being proactive my god it's boring (laughs) it got me again sorry guys every once in a while i just remember how boring it it is (laughs) it is it is absolutely and yeah i agree with you this this brain scratch old was and this i think it's episode six i believe i think it's a sixth episode is the only episode of this show that actually feels like something discreet that actually feels like an episode of a show that's its own thing and that is an incredible indictment of a 10-episode <laughs> series. There's one episode that almost feels like its own thing. It's, yeah, and it kind of it dives in on Spike's hang-up with Julia, which, frankly, is, is uh, you know, kind of like a main focus of the anime, but it's, it's dealt with in a much more kind of poetic sense. Um, I, you know, it, I, fundamentally, like, we talked about the actors, um... Colin, you say they're bad. I, you know, I, mm. I don't think they're good, but I, I do think they've basically just they're kneecapped. This is a very difficult situation. Oh, no, yeah, they're, they're, they're all yeah. let down by the the writing. I would say, right. um, uh, Mustafa Shakir, who plays Jet, it comes out the least uh, scathed of the bunch. And, but, and he uh, has the advantage that Jed is supposed to be like kind of like the, the the slightly clueless dad. He's slightly out of sync on things, and that yeah. fundamentally helps him in a show that's pretty much out of sync with itself. But um, like John Cho's character, like just just let's let's just put this out here. Can you imagine a better tomorrow? The the Jean Wu film, if Chow Yun Fat was fifty years old, that would be that would be an extraordinarily different film than it is. And a better tomorrow kind of forms a, a huge part of the locus of Spike's story in the anime. John Cho is he's in very good shape. God bless him. He is like forty eight years old or so. He is a baffling choice to play Spike, and it colors everything within the show because he's not a young man. No and 
so so like even say that brain scratch episode that is all about his hang up with Julia it's fundamentally altered by the fact that this dude is and John Cho he fucking looks 48 he's in very good shape but but he doesn't look like a young man Uh, he doesn't have a baby face or anything it's just a, a bizarre thing to do and the show doesn't do anything else to make you not think about how it's a bizarre thing that they've done. And that's that's the whole show. It's it's kind of like it gets it wrong <laughs> and then it doesn't make it right down the line. It doesn't do something that would make you go, oh, that's why they changed it. No, it's just they changed it. It's like John Show is the only Asian guy they could think of. Uh, but but Netflix needs, you know, like a rep- like representation points you know because like netflix's entire advertising thing is basically like look at look look at this like we're representing we're not like the big stuffy shirts in hollywood we've got gay people we've got asian people we have black people and it's like you do and you were underselling them horribly and i hate that you keep doing this so yeah, awful. But like, I, I, I really want to touch on this real <laughs> quick because we talk about representation and I, I really do believe in representation. I like representation and things, so I don't want to seem like I'm just diminishing sure. something. But when I, I want to be as clear as fucking possible, it does not have the representation from the anime made in the notorious xenophobic Japan 20 years ago. And, and <laughs> like, where are the Southeast Asian people? Like, that's my first thought is, where are the Southeast Asian? Where are the Native Americans? Where are all these people that we saw? It's just like whoever's, like, I think Adam pointed this out in the chat, in the Burbank area. Like, that's the demographic of the entire universe is Burbank. <laughs> like, it's... Listen, whoever they found at the uh, hotel bar above the Holiday Inn in Burbank, California, <laughs> that's who they well, brought and why in. Why is Spike? Why is Spike Asian? Like I, I, like I hate to say this, but like I always took him to be Middle Eastern, not white. But I don't understand why he has to be Asian. I don't understand why uh, a lot of the characters are just uh, just tweaked to be like. I don't he, know. he he does the kung fu, Colin. Ugh. The, the kung fu <laughs> the chopping of the hands. A fifty-year-old should not be acting like that, though. If a fifty-year-old is crushing on a girl like that, you're like, Jesus Christ, grow the fuck up! But when right, uh, he should well, be reading issues of AARP magazine. Well, well, here, here's the thing, right? And this this is a lot of people <laughs> seem to struggle with this, right? Spike isn't actually a cool dude in a lot of ways. Spike is a pretty damaged guy he's got a lot of problems you don't actually want to be like spike spike is <laughs> um, not aloof spike is suicidal now if spike was a real person he'd be a podcaster you don't you don't <laughs> want any of that <laughs> and and this is one of the things that's confusing again about the writing of this thing like spike in the anime is aloof he doesn't care too much about things but he gets hang-ups and he he gets he you find out he appears he's really cool he's he's fearless and they call him fearless in in the the live action version he bites off things and he goes after things essentially you know to challenge himself and you only realize later on that really spike is someone looking to die like spike has feels his life is over that everything after this is just sort of like a, a, a kind of like a liminal state and he is basically looking for someone who'll kill him because he won't end his life himself. 
that's kind of like that's a, a large portion of the character of Spike. He's someone trapped in the past. The anime very kind of beautifully elucidates this that you know through to the fragments of Julia and Vicious. You know, Spike is not you know a cool dude. He's a really kind of damaged guy, and and you know you can tie this into traits of like masculinity, like the heroic bloodshed films that the Spike arc is is based off of very heavily. Um. You know, a lot of these traits of, of masculine romance, of what, you know, men seek and aspire to, <laughs> a lot of it's really goofy and not particularly healthy. And that's, you know, and and the show, you can you can go with all that. Spike is a very lovable, interesting character. He's, he's really engaging, but, you know, he's not a model for behavior or anything. In this show, Spike is kind of like, he's lazy. Uh, he wants easy marks. He argues like they, at one point they're like talking about, you know, going choosing bounties and they mention, you know, one guy and it's like, he's a cannibal. He's really bad. And Spike's like, nah, that sounds difficult. <laughs> it's like, is, but the Spike, uh, like Spike is literally a man seeking his own end. Uh, what? And so again, it would be, so, so what is he seeking in the live action version nothing there's nothing new in there it's the same stuff at the end of it all he's still trapped in his past he can't let go but apparently he's just sort of waiting time he's just hanging out with jet everyone in this show is too fucking friendly with each other this is another issue um they're yeah they're all buddy buddy like this is the mike sure effect i feel like from the office and parks and rec like if there's four seasons of cowboy bebop fucking market by season four spike and Faye will have got married <laughs> uh, you know like it's nonsensical but they're all it kind of like Faye comes in they're kind of like oh she's a little bit annoying isn't she she's a bit gruff and still she lies she's a bit dishonest what's her deal and by episode three they're like no we gotta have each other's back because you We're know if family. we don't have each other's back in this world Who's going to take care of us? This is, well, uh, again, it's not the voice of the anime. So what is it? It's nothing. Well, it's codependent writing. <laughs> and that's like a phrase I kept coming back to. Because right. when you look, and I want to make sure I'm using this like correct clinically, like codependency, the idea, like this, the, the characters here cannot be alone. They cannot think about themselves for any extended period of time. They need an audience or they need someone else with them, even if ultimately it's not good for them and they dislike the other person. So when you watch the show and it's a bunch of people that are like, it's family time, it's family time. But every other word is like, shut up. No, you shut up. Fuck you. Fuck you. Bug nuts. <laughs> fuck you. It's like, well, this isn't healthy at all. You should all move on. Where, And we're just going to make a comparison to the anime, not in terms of quality, because that's a good show where it's like, Faye will say something and Spike's like, you don't like it, leave. And then Faye's like, well, I'm just kidding. You know, and it's like, oh, that's like a real conversation. You know, like that's. And then she calls him a fuckity fuck face because we're we're exercising our uh, weed and speak here. Yeah, there, there's a real tension in the animated version because the three of them, there's a very you know they they do need each mm -hmm. other and they but but they are they're very you know they're very reticent to they would certainly never acknowledge it and they, and some of the best moments in the anime are these you know like Spike and Jet talk to each other and they always talk to each other in metaphor or analogy there's the wonderful scene where Spike finally opens up and talks to Jet but he talks to him through a story of the cat that lived a thousand times and died a thousand times they can't talk straight to each other you know they, they have to you know kind of find ways to kind of bring their stuff up the the live action version just kind of it, it really falls apart because it's kind of like you know Faye is kind of like look 
I can't remember my past and I'm sad. And they're like, all right, we better help you out then. <laughs> so, you what? Know. Like, that's that's not the tone. And and again, like I say, it's just in the in the live action version. It's like, okay, if this is the tone of the live action version, then, you know, what else are you bringing? Nothing. Yeah. They just, they don't understand what the original one was doing or, or they don't care. And they certainly can't emulate it. So they just came up with something mm-hmm. that's incredibly lazy, which like Colin points out, is basically characters that just can continually contradict each other there's no continuity between this and yet then visually there's this horrible overbearing continuity of everything being brown (laughs) (laughs) what a great show okay okay. it is is on the xbox 360 i have have a specific (laughs) my my specific question here is is for jake yeah jake come on oh boy here we go i I think we i think we can all agree we can all agree that all, all of these characters are uh, not great, and for the most part, they're just doing bad cosplay. Like if you've if you've ever been to a convention or near a convention, and you see cosplayers just kind of stop and then like act out a scene from a movie, that's happening. But it's like being filmed for a Netflix show. So I was thinking, who's actually the worst here? Mm. And for nine tenths of the show, the answer was simple. And for me, it was vicious because he looks like <laughs> Michael McDonald, not the singer who sings uh, Taking It to the Streets, but Michael McDonald, <laughs> the comedian from Mad TV. The guy who played Stuart, right. But how yeah, good Stuart, would it be? Like, oh, look what I could do. He looks like Stuart, but in like a silver wig and with like a, a, a six pack. So if, if yeah, you put a wig on Stuart and he did some crunches and... I, I really thought he was the worst. Really did. Just horribly miscast, just laughable, silly cosplay. No, I think he's... He, that and, guy's, then, and then we get to the end, and all of a sudden, Ed appears, and I'm like, no, this, <laughs> in, in this brief 15 seconds, I feel like it has trumped everything, and this is actually the worst thing I've seen over the course of 10 hours. So Jake... <laughs> what do you think? What's what? What's your power rankings here? That I I mean I think you knocked it out of the park for the longest time, and we we didn't even touch upon how vicious, who's essentially just a, a one note foil to Spike in the anime. It, the, he's fleshed out, and he basically is just the worst character of all time as a result. But um, yeah, his performance is bad. He's settled with the worst material, and um, basically undermines. Uh, secretly compelling character in the process but and then that radical edward that little 90 second button we get at the end it's like i think jack said it best it's almost daring you to watch season two when it comes out because it's just like (laughs) one of the most grotesque shrill performances i've seen in a long time like imagine hours of that just do you you think do you think anime ported to live action maybe they should change something sometimes <laughs> maybe, maybe it doesn't work yeah, yeah. It, it, it's maybe worked twice and every other time is a failure it is it is awful yeah i kind of want to watch the live action dragon ball z now and just be like oh, do i have a greater appreciation for this you'll be bored out of your mind if you watch that i promise you that's yeah. just like bebop then yeah Would, you know i mean <laughs> I, I, it's worth it's worth bringing in like as much as you could analyze and say this is wrong and this is bad and this is poorly thought out yep. the overall the the overarching effect is just absolute tedium 
Um, something mm-hmm. just to touch on because we we've not mentioned it yet. Uh, Spike gets in a lot of fights in this. There's a lot of kung fu stuff in this movie, <laughs> which is cool, and we all love that. It's fucking boring as hell. Oh my god, it is just every time Spike Dude. gets in a fight, I just my brain shut off. No, the the, the choreo is, and and it makes me wonder if the choreo's off or if it's again we're just going back to our filmmaker here, who is clearly inept. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> clearly, it's wild because this is this is the same team that trained everyone uh that related to john wick so like these are people that know how to do this shit yeah oh my exactly so then it's like were they working pro bono and just gave like a 10 (laughs) percent effort or is this just we have we have our filmmakers are so fucking stupid and incompetent that we we can't get decent fight choreo were were the bebop guys every single time Every single time a fight started, I would pick up my phone and start scrolling mm-hmm. through Twitter yeah. because I was so 100%. fucking bored. Yeah. Was the bebug, were they standing next? Like, were, were the, the John Wick guys giving a speech and they were just, like, standing outside an open door just <laughs> jotting down, like, half-heard notes? Because, yeah, it, this is... And, you know, it again, let's compare it to the original anime. Oh. Anime doesn't have a very big budget, and in animation, you gotta draw everything. It's very hard work. Don't recommend it. There's a reason all those anime guys, whenever they whenever they give rare interviews, they're all smoking like fucking <laughs> chimneys, right? Because their lives are awful. They got it's so much work just to do anything. So the, the Bebop anime has really tremendous action sequences, but it's also a animated TV show. Now, it has a, a pretty good budget here, you know, com- comparatively speaking. It's certainly not a really underfunded thing, but you can't draw silky smooth kung fu chicanery over and over again because it's incredibly difficult. So Watanabe directing the original has all these... Like, what really shines through when you watch the anime is his intelligence, his understanding of camera movement, Mm -hmm. and coordination to essentially sell movements and ideas without you having to illustrate the whole thing there's really clever moments i'd return again to like say the puro le episode there's a wonderful sequence where spike is trying to trick puro while puro is trying to kill him and he throws he's hiding behind cover and he throws out a garbage bag to one side and the camera moves to the left to track the garbage bag as if it's a point of view shot from Perot and then Spike comes out to the right shooting and the camera snaps back to him and it's just a very clever you know the the camera didn't have to move it's a single shot but it's a very clever way Mm -hmm. what are you filming there what is happening in that moment we are watching uh, two characters consider uh, and work out an idea of how they're going to deal with the situation. We have Spike with exactly, the garbage bag. Yes. We are watching people think. And people, like, there's a scene, one one of the episodes where, I think it's one of the better episodes, where it's, it's Faye and she's talking to herself when she's flying her spaceship. Even when she's alone, she's yelling at herself. Even when she's by herself, <laughs> she's doing, like, the cutesy talk. And we, like, he can't, Christopher Yost cannot write uh, a person changing. And that's that's stunning because he has decided against the grain of the original show, which was standalone episodes. And people might say, well, it was a different time. Shit, it was not. Not over in Japan. Almost everything that was on you know, TV had to be connected. If you ever read manga of the past, uh, 
I don't know, 60 years. They literally, each manga seems to either start 40 years apart or it's the next day. It's the next scene. So Bebop choosing to like be its own weird little thing was like intentional. And to take that and just turn it into, I don't know, weeds. I mean, I'm really trying to think of like a TV level <laughs> equivalent. Of like <laughs> it's not Star Trek. Yeah. I'll say that much. There's, there's just... Yeah, there's there's just a thoughtlessness to it, and those, those the action sequences are choreographed. They clearly thought about what to put on the screen. Oh. The camera sits there like the camera is just like a, a dead weight, just kind of over to the side, looking like literally. There's there's silent movies from the nineteen like from the 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 like or first first decade of cinema that have more invested in where the camera like how moving a camera and you couldn't move those cameras they were extremely heavy there's a reason it just looked like a film play this is 2021 they they've learned nothing they've somehow successfully discarded a hundred years <laughs> of craft what if one of the directors could be like yo i was checking out this crazy douglas fairbanks movie last night bro <laughs> like they just don't like oh my god i know mean, i mean you watch a douglas fairbanks movie and jesus it kicks the ass off this thing and it's just it's so tedious like spike is just flipping and doing <laughs> this and that and it's just, it's got nothing it's it, there's no energy there's no life to it um and i think it's it's interesting Colin, you talk about how yost can't write characters changing let's let's broach on the one character in this who really does change one character changes right. that's julia right <laughs> oh let's man. let's talk about what they do to oh, julia cuz i'm confused Good here so night, to julia. clarify and the, <laughs> in the in the original anime julia is the woman spike and vicious love and it's a very they don't fill it in we get snapshots we get these frames suggestions julia was torn between them that she loved both of them they were you know very familiar friends spike and vicious uh why is he called vicious no one knows but uh for some reason he's just called vicious but he's a more rounded character in the live action which just makes it fucking stupid so anyway <laughs> uh so julia in in the live action version is uh they they keep filling it in and she's married to vicious she hasn't in, in the anime she she's gone on the lamb essentially uh kind of like spike did he she's run away from her past but she knows that she can never really be with spike because vicious is uh, living up to his name a lunatic he is uh, <laughs> he's crazy which is why the uh, syndicate don't want to make vicious in charge because vicious is tied up in petty nonsense because he's a lunatic which is exactly what you would expect of a man named vicious <laughs> who carries a sword everywhere and that's why anime works because it's a just heightens everything to kind of flatten it down to make everything kind of work for you know you don't have to think too hard about it the man's named vicious he's probably not cool you don't want him hanging out with your kids in this version um it, it's just sort of like julia's married to vicious she hates him we don't really know she was she was in love with him at one point they they give a whole episode to their backstory and it is absolutely mind-numbing it's awful uh, episode nine for anyone who wants to hurt themselves or those they love um and it's just like Julia, she's torn between them, kind of, because Vicious, it turns out, is a bad guy. Who could have, who could have predicted? And she doesn't like him, so she likes Spike more. But then, 
she has this weird realization in the the crescendo of the first season because it's worth pointing out this is not a complete thing they are pointing towards the season two god only knows if it will happen Bastards. but julia decides yet yeah, julia decides that she uh, doesn't need either of them that she's a powerful woman she's a powerful kick-ass lady and she's gonna work the syndicate herself which makes Julia a bad person, uh, you know, a, a, a straight yep. up bad person. What's that about? I guess we'll have to tune into season two, but God, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy because Ed looks like she'll be <laughs> well, there. So, And imagine yeah. imagine that scene that we're talking about where Julia's betraying Spike. Imagine if that scene ended a different way where she's saying, hey, I'm going to take over the syndicate. And Spike's like, no, you're not like this. And she's like, no, that's who I am. You haven't been around here. And they have to part like that. And there's a tension created. There's more, you know, like you create something. You want to see how the story's going to resolve. They don't create anything that you want to see resolved. Things just happen. And like um, we were talking about uh, with, with the story earlier, like, oh, it takes like, what, 20, uh, uh, yeah, like 25, 26 episodes for Spike to actually go and confront his past intentionally. Mm -hmm. And this, it's like, well, it's episode two, let's do it. Let's just, if we're going to do it, let's just do it. <laughs> like, okay. There, there's a remarkable thing in the live action where, like, it, and it seems to be, like, I think it's something that's very associated with bad writing, with writing that doesn't understand a rhythm or a meter that's kind of aimless. You know, it's what happens when there's no bedrock on which you're you know you're forming what you're doing uh, the the netflix bebop is both simultaneously uh tediously still it's it's like nothing is happening and yet it's also somehow like absolutely just dashing through story beats from the anime <laughs> it is just like flinging itself through elements of it it is disconcerting because it covers so much ground and ends up nowhere and yeah, you, you, it's it's sort of like the Julia that's created in in the live action version is not compelling. Doesn't really come from it. It's kind of like a girl boss kind of a thing. It's like oh, she's actually you know. It, it's almost like they took the anime version. They were like, well, Julia, you know, with these people who are like, um, they measure a female character's worth based on how much she talks on screen. Mm -hmm. This is a real thing. I swear to God, I wish it wasn't. There are people who are complaining about Anna Paquin in The Irishman because she doesn't talk a lot in a movie where it is very clearly this girl has been horrifically um, overshadowed by her father who has never listened or acknowledged her and they're like she should talk more about it it's like <laughs> do you not think that's kind of the whole point um, she should look directly into the camera and tell us how she feels yeah. and then a tear will roll uh, down her face <laughs> yeah it, it, so, so, so the Netflix thing has that kind of idea that like they looked at the anime and they felt Julia doesn't actually get a lot to do in this because of course she doesn't because she's basically just a fragment of Spike's past Cowboy Bebop to the surprise of anyone who understands it uh, or to no one who understands it is about Spike it's not about Julia um, you know for better or worse so you know she's, she's a part of his life uh, she's a part of what made him she's not a key part in, in the Netflix version, I think they think they're doing like they're doing a feminism by writing her in as like this girl boss person, but she's bad. Uh, you know, she she's I don't know she's been corrupted. Very hard to say because there's very little, uh, you know, kind of to work off of within it. She's basically just kind of like a shrinking violet for most of the show, uh, where she basically just kind of like hangs out next next to Vicious while he's mad about something. And, you know, he threatens her and she's kind of like, oh, better back down because he's very dangerous. He's named Vicious. 
And uh, and then somewhere around the edge of it, it's kind of like she starts plotting her own, you know, kind of like, I'll kill Vicious. And then it turns out she actually, you know, doesn't need Spike either. She's just going to run the syndicate. That could be compelling, but there's nothing to kind of move the register on her. The performance, again, is flash. The dialogue is awful. Uh, and and again, this kind of like points into, again, something that I feel is like, Jake, we've discussed this in, on our James Bond podcast Whole plug for that, guys. Uh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> Which one? Yeah, is that again? But, yeah the, for, the TV uh, for your ears only. Um, yeah, for your ears only. The, the 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 great great James Bond podcast. We talk in our final episode uh, about No Time to Die. It's very good. It's on optimism vaccine about the TVification of movies, and I feel like this is something that's kind of it's the TVification of television, uh, where nothing exists to be itself anymore every all media exists solely to point you towards the next episode or the next season or the next movie and this bebop thing feels like it. it's like julia just decides yep. in the last episode like actually i'm a bad guy yep. and it's kind of like they all look at you and it's like all right you better tune into season two to find out how this shakes out it's like i don't give a shit no one could give a shit. Like, you could Listen, just say whatever. Jack. She could just, she could have turned to the camera and said, I'm a turtle. And that would have been <laughs> as equally compelling. Jack, you know? I personally think that Julia is is a hero. And the only woman that I respect in real life is Elizabeth <laughs> Holmes. So I want you to understand that. <laughs> oh, if they should have, they should have cast her. <laughs> oh, Spike, I love you. <laughs> I do want to talk about the action sequences for a bit, though, because like you guys said, um, you know, the fight choreography is bad. But more importantly, to me, at least, is that the when you write out the scenarios in which this 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 conflict is playing out, um, which is funny because they don't know how to like work out a conflict. They don't even know how to write characters that have self-conflict, <laughs> let alone like, you know, real conflict between two characters. Um, so like. The first big hand-to-hand action sequence we see from Spike, I think, is in episode two when he's in the bathroom. And he fights against this guy who has, like, a blade for his hand. Like, it's a made-up weapon or something. And he has to use towels, and he's flipping over the wall, and he's doing all these sort of crazy moves. And there's just... It's so over the top, and it has no barometer to who Spike is that it's just like, they just look like a bunch of nerds. They look like a bunch of nerds playing around, pretending to do a kung fu movie. So let's look at the anime. Yeah, I, I feel well, like Spike should get the shit kicked out of him more. Well, yeah, but no. It's, to be honest. But I'm saying like... <laughs> Which happens in the anime routinely. Yeah. yeah. And, yes. that, and that scene, as Colin described, we also get these cutbacks to Jet, who's on a... He's got an earpiece in where he's talking to Spike. He's hearing the fight, and he's throwing things in like or are you taking a dump now spike it is just to add to the uh yeah, to the humor jet who's jet who's famously fucking stupid in the anime that's what i think <laughs> <Yeah>. of. <laughs> well that's see you're, you're thinking of a character that knows better but their uh, emotions drive them to accept certain things but that's that's a complicated show let's go back to the stupid show um so <laughs> <laughs> so this fight sequence like if you look at the anime uh, 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 God, Solison in the first episode, he kills a room full of people because he's on this drug, right? And we've seen Spike, mm-hmm. and he's already been knocked out. And so when Spike is about to fight Solison, it's like, dude, you don't know what you're in for. And we, the audience, are like, oh my God, he's amazing. It's a shock because there's like, we, we assume that he's not going to be very good, right? Or at least we should assume. I mean, it's obviously his show, so he's going to win, whatever. Um, but in the 
live action show, like I said, there's no barometer. He's always just being like matched by everyone he's fighting. And he's always grabbing weapons and trying to like hit people with wrenches or hit people with sticks. Whereas if you're trying to write a hero, like even if you're not, even if they're not good guys or bad guys, if you're trying to write a hero or a protagonist, the, the person he's fighting should be having the weapon, like the crazy thing, but like something we can identify with, not a made up object. Like you need to be able to communicate things very quickly, which is why in Cowboy Bebop, they use guns, like bang, bang, bang. And in the first scene, <laughs> in the first fucking scene, the first goddamn scene of this goddamn show, this guy pulls out a laser gun that doesn't exist, never existed, blows up a wall, <laughs> and they're all getting sucked through outer a space. A disruptor. Yeah. They're, like, they're casually blowing guys' heads off with a shotgun in that opening scene, by the way. It's it's really unnecessarily violent. We we haven't even touched upon, like, the, the heavy R-ratedness of this show too like there's just a lot of casual fucks thrown in which didn't exist in the anime it's a yep. lot of a lot of just profane bullshit fuck balls uh it, it's it's called it's called edginess jake <laughs> and uh for maybe maybe for a traditional catholic man like yourself uh it's you're not ready for it that's but true this, this is in the ov can yeah. i am famously catholic so thank you for bringing yeah, that yeah. up <laughs> Jake, maybe this one isn't one for your kid. Maybe let him grow up a little bit before they grapple with this piece of shit. Yeah, that'll put some yeah, grit in his milk. Listen, listen. With with your trad calf values, your your future child probably shouldn't watch this until they're at least twenty seven. Okay, like yeah. that's that's the there minimum. Oh god, there's so much. There's there's so many issues here. I I, I, I yeah. want to branch off just very briefly from the action because we've talked about the the fight choreography is terrible another great thing that's in the anime is they have spacecrafts flying and <laughs> zooming around and, and doing kinds of stuff like that um you know shinichiro watanabe did famously worked previously to this on like macross plus which is another great anime full of big space battles and there's these wonderful choreography of object and camera to create a kind of you know uh, depth of perspective and movement to you know 3d is a full your space is a fully 3d space you can go up and down left and right and in and out it's you know a complete unfettered movement and that's something that gives filmmakers an enormous amount of possibilities if they're up to the challenge cowboy bebop the live action version mostly has everyone show up on scenes on a fucking motorbike <laughs> Because they don't know how to do anything. I, I guess because they don't have money for CG to the most part. So there's a couple of CG sequences of, of planes flying here and there. There are no great chases. There's no big, you know, like the monkey missile chase famously from oh. Gateway Shuffle or whatever. That's not there. We don't get any of that. Absolutely not. No spike chasing anyone. No, none of that crap. No, uh, like they, they keep... I, I mentioned earlier about how, you know, tying everything back to Spike... You know, there's no there's no chance or superstition in in the live action version, where whereas the animated version is full of it. You know, it creates this really small, boring kind of a universe. Similarly, when Jet and Spike keep showing up places in taxis and on motorbikes, it just really kind of changes the perspective of you know like it's standard in the anime they just you know they live in space on terraform planets they just they get in spaceships and fly far away to do things yeah. uh, none of that here it's just it just it's a change that isn't supported 
by any you know yeah. there's no there's no shifting of the material to reintegrate that it just feels like no, less. It's, it's hilariously small right like it yeah. just it feels like this tiny useless universe it's it's kind of fucking embarrassing no, to be honest no, no, you guys I, don't understand that's, that's about the long and short of it. It, it think about it this way like um uh the original uh cartoon you had this dog what what the fuck whatever this one dog taxes great we learned that there's a tax mm, for dogs. Yeah. That way we can tell you about the universe. That's world building, I guess. You know? And then she says, can I visit him sometime? And never does it. Budget for more than like six dogs in the whole fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody else can have one. I, I do want to bring back to the monkey missile because they do actually recreate the monkey missile sequence um, very, very, very poorly in, the, um, in their version of not honky-tonk women... Uh, Gateway Shuffle, their version of Gateway Shuffle, where the missile that's going to turn people into trees, which, by the way, in terms of body horror, they fucked that up. Why do the faces explode? That just looks like PlayStation 1 garbage. But, like, uh, the missile coming down, right? It's about to crash in the earth, and Faye is flying down, and she's running out of bullets. So she's crashing into it, and she's she's just like, whoever's listening to this, and she's not sure what's going to happen. So she she announces, I am Faye Valentine, right? That should mean something. That should mean that she has found her identity, or at least an identity that she can work with, right? Like, that's a profound moment where she thinks she's going to die, so she's going to, like, accept this thing that has previously been alien to her. Now she's saying, no, that's who I am, going down in flames. And then, no, she's like, I want my identikit. Like, that's a really big, important moment. Like, well, then... Right, well, is, is this, like, episode <laughs> like, two, or well, when is it? Episode three? Like, it's it's really early on, before they've even clarified a lot of her, her identity issues. Uh, yeah, like, there, there's the stakes don't really make sense within it. What's, what's the no, emotional... No. What's the emotional tension for, like, every scene? And there isn't any, because if there is, people are just announcing it, and then people are sarcastically saying things back, which only diminishes, like, the, uh, you know, the emotional resonance, or whatever. You, you can't just... It's, it's very much... It's very much an adaptation that pretty much just does stuff, and then just says, look, if you need more info, just watch the other show. <laughs> <laughs> watch the better version. Yeah. Which, great. Thanks, All guys. Right. I think well, I will. I mean, I, that that seems like as good a note as any to end on. So, um, yeah, if, if if you've learned anything from this show, uh, basically, yeah, Netflix Cowboy Bebop. We, we sure do love it here at OptimismVaccine.com. That's, that's it. I have one that's more point that I want to get across for the acting because uh, the, the man that plays Jet, who I understand is the only person that's getting kudos, if you look at him, he's clearly putting on a voice that he can only do if he locks his jaw in one particular position and really can't move. He uh, he might want to go to see a vocal coach. That's actually bad for you to do that. You're, you're hurting your vocal cords, man. <laughs> that was all. That's my final point. They're all bad. All the actors are bad. <laughs> and the new Yoko Kano tracks are bad. All right. Well, I, I mean, we, we, we got to do our putovers here, Colin. So I'm going to go first, and I'm just going to get this out of the way. Um, I'm I'm putting over Cowboy Bebop. It's it's an anime <laughs> from the late '90s. You should watch it. <laughs> Recommend that. Tell me highly. more, Steve. What what's that about? <laughs> yeah, it's um it's 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 really good, it, especially coming from someone who doesn't like anime. So if you're not a fan of anime, or maybe you didn't enjoy the Netflix show, which I can understand. I, I would highly recommend watching the anime. It's I think it's on Netflix as well. 
Maybe you were lucky enough, you you decided you wanted to watch this new live-action show on Netflix, but you accidentally clicked on the anime. How great would that be for you? Pretty awesome. So I hope that happened. Um, Jack, what are you putting over this week? That's a that's a great question. Which what, what should I put over after this thing? What, what porn did you watch this week? Sports, that's <laughs> great. I could I could one hundred percent put over porn. That would be Night Dreams, Steve. Everyone, go watch Night Dreams. That's a great porno. Um, God, I'm just like I'm looking through the things I watched recently. And it's like oh, a bunch of Anna Nicole Smith movies you guys made me watch. You. God, what the hell is wrong with you people? I'm going to be really, uh, I, you know what I'm going to put over? I'm going to put over Moon Warriors, a film from 1992 yeah. directed by Sammo Hung. Um, really classical. It's part from that like great 90s resurgence of the wuxia film. A really traditional kind of flying people, soul, sword fighting kind of film full of magic and just imagination. Incredible set pieces. Um incredible lineup of people you've got like uh andy lau and maggie chung and uh kenny b and uh, anita moy and samu hong directs and the action is by uh ching shu tong and Corey yun like it's it's a fucking who's who of hollywood greats so moon warriors it's awesome and i think honestly it may have the greatest bad guy introduction i have ever seen in a movie ever it is amazing it is worth watching for that scene alone so yeah moon warriors check it out beautiful beautiful jake what are you putting over this week well i'm gonna piggyback off you steve and uh, if you had a great time watching that cowboy bebop anime he so hardly recommended i'm gonna suggest you follow that up with cowboy bebop the movie a brilliant hey. two-hour <laughs> encore it came out three years after the series and i would say with for my money it's also one of the greatest action films ever made and uh even if you don't have time for the show i think you could safely watch that and enjoy it on its own terms so uh yeah once you watch the anime series watch the anime movie and then uh delete your netflix account <laughs> good advice colin what are you putting over this week um, well, I've been really getting into the Thins lifestyle. Um, I've been buying some of those uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, but like the Thin kind. Uh, I've been buying some Oreos. They got Oreo <laughs> Thins. And uh, I know I'm being persecuted by some people out there for my love of, of all foods that are thin. Thin crust. <laughs> but nonetheless, I'm going to recommend that everyone get out there and, and try a Thin Oreo. Because it's not as bad as some people Colin would lead you to believe. <laughs> Here's how bad it actually is. I'm going to orchestrate a, a coup just so I can start a totalitarian regime and throw you in prison for this opinion. <laughs> Fuck Oreo thins, man. Well, despite that, you, yeah. despite that, something that maybe we can all agree on is that uh, anime is great and so is manga. And I've been reading a fan-translated manga that you can actually, you dear listener, you can find on archive.org. It is freely available for everyone to read and borrow. And it's called Ashido no Joe, a.k.a. Tomorrow's Joe, which is how it translates. <laughs> It's a boxing manga, but it's really just about, I don't know, just broken parts. People that are broken, how they all fit together, which sounds pretty generic, but hey, it's you get about 560 pages in and you finally see a boxing match, which is to say there's a lot more than sports in this this manga. And it's it's of that traditional 60s style. It's one of the most influential mangas of all time. So it kind of almost looks like a uh, a violent Disney cartoon 
from from you know like the Jungle Book era. So it's a little weird, but I like it. And yeah, go watch anything that related to uh, Shinichiro Watsudabe. If you want something great, uh, watch um, Kids on the Slope, which is all about jazz music and really touching, really sentimental. And I guess I'm I'm gonna wait for know, the Netflix live action version personally. Yeah, same. <laughs> there is a live Colin, action version. When you said when you said. Here's something we can all agree on. I thought you were going to say Colin belongs in Guantanamo Bay for his opinions on Oreo cookies. <laughs> yeah, I'd like which to put over a bounty a on Colin's head right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> even even Big Shot. This even motherfucker. Big Shot, they fuck up. They don't even get this that This right. motherfucker buys golden Oreo things because he's a fucking monster. Okay? This is this is Freddy Krueger in the boiler room, but in in cookie buying Midwestern form. Anyways, if you enjoyed this episode, <laughs> uh, you know, let us know. Let us know. Optimismvaccine at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine. And hey, if you look at the description of this episode, there's a there's a fucking link to our Patreon. And you, yes, you, dear listener. You can get all kinds of wonderful things from us if you just give us money. If you donate any amount at all, any amount, you can donate the smallest amount possible on our Patreon. I will send you in the mail, if you live in the continental United States, because I ain't made of fucking money, okay? I will send you a, a movie from my personal collection. A DVD, a Blu-ray, a box set, a laser disc. Anything is possible. You think I'm fucking kidding when I say Laserdisc? Hey, Jack, what'd you get in the mail for your birthday? <laughs> I am the proud owner of a Da Vinci's War Laserdisc. For all the Joey Travolta fans out there, uh, yeah, yeah, be jealous of me. That's right. I don't fuck around. I will fucking send you a Laserdisc, you motherfucker. So give me your money. Anyways... <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's there's great reasons to uh, join our Patreon. You you get uh, all kinds of written content, uh, exclusive podcasts, older podcasts that are not available on our main feed, all kinds of good stuff. I think if we get to a certain amount of money, we're going to sign Jack up for the Marines. How fun would that be if Jack had to become <laughs> a member of the armed services? I think, I think we can point out, Steve, that at a certain uh, donation tier, you can decide what we're going to watch which I think yeah. we can all agree is the only way any of us are going to sit through fucking Bebop Season 2. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if you want us to do Bebop Season 2, you better pony out some cash. And, and this is the only way to do it. Speaking <laughs> of bounties, literally someone messaged me the other day and they were like, how much does it cost to have you guys uh, watch and, and talk about this movie? And it was it was like a movie from the clown guy from Slipknot, which was weird, too, because I thought they were all clown guys. But I guess I was wrong. What do I fucking know? Anyways, uh, yeah, you can sign up for a Patreon. That would be fantastic. We would love you forever. Podcasting is expensive. It's it's it tr especially when you have a bunch of opulent motherfuckers like Jack Eason on your podcast. It gets difficult. Uh, he he always. I thought Sean was uh, Sean's. What we have to buy a microphone for? What, what am yeah. I doing? I'm, yeah, that's true. Uh, but you guys are great. Sean's <laughs> like, hey, uh, I'm gonna use. I I, I I created a microphone out of some some broken down parts from an old lawnmower, and I was thinking I could I could just like record from inside of my refrigerator refrigerator next to like. Uh, three open windows in a downtown Detroit location. How does that sound? So, like, like, is, yeah. does his, is his Fred Wiseman cast just clinking ice cubes for three like, hours? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. This is, this is the Wiseman cast. That's what... <laughs> <laughs>
Sean, we love you. We love you dearly. But yeah, we'll never I mean, listen to this. I've, Sean, I've edited Sean his is audio. such a smart man. Yeah, he hates it's, anime though, so he's not going to listen to this. His Sean is such a smart bad. man. I mean, yeah, it's it could be worse. It could be worse, but it could be better. And don't you want to make it better? Donate us money. We'll make Sean better. That's what we're here for. This is the Sean Glynis Rehabilitation Project. Uh, anyways, thank you for listening. Fuck Netflix, Cowboy Bebop. Jake, the final word is yours. <laughs> and we all have shed tears of scarlet. 